0: Coming up on the Sark Fighter podcast,
1: I was a bandad, which basically means you move a bunch of stuff two or three times a day for free, right? Um, and I, I got to the point where I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it.
0: The Sarkfighter Fighter podcast brings you the story of a man who had to learn the hard way that sometimes you have to let sarcoidosis have its way.
1: Oh, you've got sarcoidosis. Good news. You know, because we were thinking it was like a lymphoma or, you know, something else or a blood cancer, and come to find out that um, mine ended up being chronic, and all these years later, it, it's not good news.
0: Joe McCorry talks about how sarcoidosis has been a stubborn part of his life for decades.
2: This is the Sark Fighter Podcast. Living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Sark Fighter Podcast, brought to you in part by a grant from A Tire Pharma. Hi, guys, I'm John Carlin. I am the host of the Sark Fighter Podcast and a fellow Sark fighter. And coming up is my interview with Joe McCory, who has been fighting sarcoidosis and all the associated side effects and troubles that come with a case that just won't let go and has not for decades. And it has impacted his life. It's impacted the way he's Uh, raised his daughters, and he'll be talking about that in today's interview. But first, I've got to tell you a couple of things about the podcast. The official Sark Fighter song is called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards. Mark is also a Sark Fighter, and you can hear his story, the story behind the lyrics, way back in episode 12, and I want to let you know. Occasionally, I will play the entire song for you at the end of an episode. And I did that back at the episode uh, at the end of episode 41. So, if you want to hear the whole song, "Zombie," go back and give that a listen. Um, and those lyrics are so spot on. If you have sarcoidosis, and the end the song is just—it's—it's it's a very easy listen. It gets stuck in my head, and I find myself. You know, singing, singing the lyrics out loud, and and just having that that song repeat over and over in my head, kind of like a pop song that you would listen to on the radio. Um, It it's it's just really it's really well done. I call this the Sark Fighter Podcast because I'm fighting Sark, and so are you. Whether you are a patient, a caregiver, a researcher, Um, this is a place where the sarcoidosis community can gather. I know that people tell me all the time they felt like they were all alone, and uh, as much as I can, I want to let you know that there is a reason for hope. But sometimes it's just, it's just good to listen to somebody else who's been dealing with the same things you have, and you know maybe it, like you know in Joe's case it hasn't it hasn't really gotten any better but at least you know that he's out there and he's soldiering on and he's finding a way to make it work even though he's had to slow down. And and you know and and people just they want to hear that other people are going through what they're going through. And that's what you're that's what you're going to hear today. Um now normally I release the podcast every other Monday and we've been able to stay on schedule with that. I'm I'm always looking for new people to come on the podcast, so please Uh, If you are interested, you can ping me at my email, uh, which is carlinagency at gmail.com, and there's a link to my email in the show notes. And as I am speaking today, as always, my trusty dog, my boxer, Dougal, is curled up on the chair in my office. He has taken over that chair, it is his chair, and he is welcome to it, because He makes my life so much better, and I just work better when Dougal's here in the office with me, my little broadcast studio, and he's just hanging out with me. So uh, Dougal and I are doing the podcast together. Now, I want to read you a couple of lines from a blog by Charlton Harris. Uh, The name of this particular post is, I don't have anything to prove while living with sarcoidosis now charlton was a guest here on the Sark fighter podcast back in episode 37 the name of his blog is no tears for sarcoidosis and i see his posts all the time by subscribing to a weekly newsletter called sarcoidosis news and i'll also put a link to that in the show notes but so you know so this is just a couple of lines from charlton's blog he writes, and then life got in the way. I had to make adjustments I wasn't expecting. As I often say, when you least expect it, expect it. I had to come to terms with the fact that my life was going to be different. It didn't happen all at once, but at some point I knew that things were going to really change for me. I often look back on years past, uh, he writes, I had a ball. I enjoyed my life from my teens until my mid-50s. I was having fun until sarcoidosis reminded me it was present. I was still the same person, just living with this condition. Oftentimes, those of us with sarcoidosis let the condition dictate our future. And I can say from firsthand experience, Charlton writes, uh, that this balancing act is stressful. So again, those are the words of Charlton Harris. But I chose this passage not only because it's meaningful and it's, it's it's his most recent blog, and it just sort of seemed serendipitous that I would be reading that as I was needing to uh, to tell you a little bit more about Joe McCory, my guest today, because it mirrors what Joe was saying and it mirrors Joe's experience in life. And Joe was a businessman. He had a family, he has a family with two daughters, and they had to grow up with a dad who just couldn't do everything that he wanted to do or everything that they wanted him to do. And so um, it's been a difficult existence. It is life with sarcoidosis. And Charlton put that very succinctly in just that short passage I read you from his latest blog. And I'll put again links to uh, to that blog in the show notes, and you might want to go back and listen to Charlton's interview here on episode 37 of the Sark Fighter podcast. So Joe's story is coming up next right here on the Sark Fighter podcast.
2: I feel like a zombie just feeding at
0: Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sarc Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sarkfighter podcast. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter Podcast. Joining me now is Joe McCory, all the way from Chicago. And he has got Sark in many, many, many parts of his body. He's going to tell us about that today. Joe, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. How are you feeling today? Today I'm feeling okay. Today's an okay day. Got Uh, it. And I'll I'll take that anytime. Uh, Fatigue. Fatigue is my friend, and today I don't have a lot of it so far. Awesome. Well, you, you sent me an email
0: after listening to, uh, to some of the podcasts and started describing how sarcoidosis has slowly taken over your body. Where,
1: where did it first present itself and how long ago? Approximately the year 2000, I had a, um, an inflamed lymph node in my, uh, under my arm, under my left arm and in my right groin and went to see my um, primary care physician. And he, re- he referred me to a surgeon who removed them in kind of a barbaric way, which was, it, it was in the office. It was kind of kind of um, painful, but anyhow, it came <laughs> as a uh, grain, grain linomas, and I'm pronouncing that wrong. And, I thought I had lymphoma or, you know, something like that. And, oh, everything's okay. It's a granuloma. you have sarcoidosis. My primary care doctor really didn't have any experience with that. So I researched a local university hospital and um, went to see the pulmonologist there who had sarcoidosis under his name. And up until that time, I, I started getting like mono-like symptoms, flu, fever, uh, not feeling well. And, um, you know, he, he did a chest x-ray and said that I had a classic, a, uh, my x-ray was classic sarcoidosis, my lungs. Huh. And that it would uh, usually burn itself out in 12 to 36 months. I think he put me on some steroids. Um And we did a close follow-up for several several years, and it slowly went quiet. And then it came roaring back in 2009, and it it was affecting my kidneys. Kidneys?
0: Yes. Uh, You might be the first person I've interviewed who's had it in kidneys.
1: Yes. I had um, like a sinus-type infection at that time, and I was pounding the Advil, and just lethargic, felt, felt really bad. And it, it, uh, my primary care doctor did a, uh, uh, some, some blood labs and my bun, bun and creatine came back way out of whack and, um, sent me for a, um, ultrasound of the kidneys. And then once again, I researched, a, another university hospital. I found a nephrologist. I don't, I'd never heard of a nephrologist before but they follow you for kidneys. And he did a biopsy on my kidneys, which is kind of another barbaric uh, procedure. Um, it's What do like, they
0: do, stick a needle in? Or what? how do they do yeah, it? Yeah, it's like
1: a stun gun. It's kind of like a, like a spring-loaded um, little gun. They don't huh. know or anything. They do an ultrasound. And it took them about five shots to get a core. It, it pulls a core out. And it came back with um, gran- granulomas. And then I restarted this, the prednisone. Um, And the reason I was feeling so bad was my calcium and my creatine were through the roof. And, you know, the symptom of that is uh, the severe fatigue and malaise. And um, you just, uh, I, I heard it described as you feel, feel like you got hit by a truck and the truck is parked on top of you. Mm. You know, when people say they have the flu, it feels like I got hit by a truck. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's on top of you. And um, that uh, started the, the reoccurrence. You know, it, it went quiet for quite a while, quite a few years, uh, up until 2009. And then um, it, it's a very long story, but, you know, I was, I was, I was being treated for the kidney sir. And I researched another doctor that specialized in sarcoidosis at another university hospital. I met her at an FSR patient um, expo yep. in the Chicago area right in the late 2000s. Um, can I mention her name? Sure. Uh, Dr. Uh, Nadira Swice. Okay. At that time, she was at the University of Chicago. She's currently at the... Um, University of Illinois. She's head of rheumatology. Okay. She runs the Bernie Mac Foundation. Sure. Um, which is associated, I think, with FSR somehow.
0: There, there, there is an association there. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I, it comes
1: up fairly often. I, I yes. Yep. So I was introduced to FSR and her, and uh, at that time, you know, I was still having issues with the uh, the sarcoids. So I, I I followed up with her. She did a lot of blood work, blood work that other doctors hadn't done, the, the CD4, CD9s, the T's, all kinds of fancy, I call it fancy blood work, and, you know, said, your are sarcoise active, and I've been following her since.
0: Yeah, she was looking for your, um, your body's immune defense.
1: Yes. Sounds like, yep. And inflammation markers, I think ESR, okay. pro, proactive something. Okay, all right. And, and you know, those are abnormally, for me, it's abnormally normal now to have abnormal blood work um, as long as it's not too far out of, out of kilter. Yeah. Um, after that, um, in 2013, I was diagnosed with uh, metastatic melanoma. And uh, the sarcoid played a, a very pivotal role in that diagnosis because it it affects the treatment that they can and cannot give me ah. my kidney issues and uh, autoimmune issues. So I had um, this cancer removed from my right ankle and it had metastasized to my right groin lymph nodes.
2: Hmm.
1: At that time, the main treatment they had was uh, interferon which was very nasty and didn't have a very um, high percentage track record or, you know, helping. So we opted not, I opted not to have that treatment. And then uh, that, then it started to close follow-up with the oncologist. Um, so I have the nephrologist, the rheumatologist, the oncologist. And um, it reoccurred in 2016, like three years later, another part of my leg. So we had that taken care of, and um, I, they had uh, immunotherapy available at that time. They were talking about chemo. I went to Mayo. Wow. The clinic wanted to do um, chemo, but my rheumatologist was dead set against it. She said, you'll have kidney failure. You know, your sarcoids just going to go nuts, and, you know, I don't recommend that. So we ended up having a combination of two different um, Immunotherapies, Contruda, which was new at the time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, gave me colitis, ulcerative colitis. Oh. So back on the steroids, high-dose steroids. So during my Contruda treatments, it was on again, off again, on again, off again because of the colitis, which can kill you and is one of the main side effects of uh, that particular immunotherapy. And then they gave it to me in combination with another immunotherapy, which is an injection called TVEC. And I had um, lesions all over my leg in the area that the tumor had uh, uh, reappeared in 2016. And it was surface um, melanoma, hundreds of these lesions. And this TVEC was uh, astonishing. I had five or six injections of this TVEC and they all went away. Hmm. and clear Um, during that process I was diagnosed with a squamous cell carcinoma in my left leg lymph node which was removed and they uh, gave me radiation for that so this is the same time I'm finishing up with this melanoma thing it kind of happened
0: yeah, it's really a balancing act. Your doctors are because were you yeah.
1: out in the sun a lot with all these different things? I mean, what's, what's uh, the, you know, the I of had the, cancer. I had the melanoma in my right ankle, and you know, I'm I'm a fair skinned Irishman. Yeah. When I was a kid, I burned like a lobster, like we sure. all um, but I was not a some sun, sun worshipper by any means. My gut is that being on steroids for such a long time suppress my immune system and open me up to potentially getting this cancer. I don't know. We don't know where you know where it came from. Um, but you know who, who knows? You know, non-smokers get lung cancer. So um don't know. Um right. Then um <laughs> Fast forward, there's a lot of things I'm missing, but fast forward to um, 2015-ish. Yeah. I went to my rheumatologist and the resident listened to my heart and says, you're an AFib. Oh, great. I had been to that rheumatologist dozens of times and they never listened to my heart. And I was tempted to blow off that meeting, that that appointment that day, because I had three appointments that day. The end of the day, I'm walking by the office. I'm like, I'm going home. But I went in, and this resident happened to be there. She listened to my heart, you're an AFib, you're not going home. Really? ER so, admitted me cardiac sarcoid is what I was diagnosed with. Really? And it was um, VTAC uh, cardiomyopathy, my- myopathy, and I'm not pronouncing any of these correctly. And uh, the irregular heartbeat with the, uh, the atrial fibrillation. So they tried an ablation where they go in through the groin and they, they burn pieces of your heart. And mm-hmm. um, I woke up during the procedure. They weren't able to complete it. The next day I went back into AFib. So they um, did a different procedure where they kind of shock you um, with the, uh, it's not like a paddle, but it's similar to when they paddle you. Okay, sure. They got me back into rhythm. Okay. Recommended that I get a um, defibrillator. And my rheumatologist said, great, but we're going to wait. And she talked to the the electrophysiologist. He wanted to go back in and do another ablation. She was dead set against it. She said, there's too much risk. And that was sometime in June and at the end of the year um, I had the, um, implant put in.
0: Okay. a pacemaker
1: with the, the uh, it's not a pacemaker. It's a defibrillator.
0: It's a defibrillator. Usually they're well, I, I, I had always thought that they were, um, that one was a pacemaker and then the defibril- defibrillator activated when it needed to, but this is just, it's just a defibrillator just to shock you. Yes. Okay. In case you, so when you go into AFib, it
1: goes boom and puts you back into rhythm. Correct. Okay. That was back in 2015 ish. And, uh, fortunately, you know, she, like, she told me it, it went back to normal. Um, the cardiac sarcoid, uh, I get followed for it now annually. Mm-hmm. I've never got shocked, thankfully. Okay. Um, has that started my, um, <laughs> my journey on, um, infections hmm. sure so that period, between 2015 and 2019, I was hospitalized countless times for cellulitis, kidney stones, uh, which turned into um, kidney infections, more cellulitis, which uh, affected my defibrillator because it had a lead going into my heart. I got sepsis. They had to remove the defibrillator because there was vegetation on the lead that went into my heart. Vegetation. Uh, Infection. Infection. Got it. Okay. They called it vegetation. They
0: call it vegetation. Okay.
1: Yes. So that came out and I wore an external defibrillator for about six months that year. It was basically like a man bra um, with a big battery on it. Um, in case I had a incident. And then they um, later in that year, they gave me a different defibrillator that doesn't go into the heart. It's called subcutaneous. Okay. Under the skin. Yeah, under the skin. It goes to the sternum and uh, it's a bigger device, more bulky. I can feel it. I can see it. It's under the armpit. It's not up here in the shoulder like a typical one. And uh, that was uh, an ongoing process with these infections. And um, it's, it was my immune system. You know, I was on the steroids, my immune system was suppressed. Um, Having these immunotherapies um, just, you know, whacked me. And I wasn't getting the flu, I wasn't getting pneumonia, they were like internal infections, it was cellulitis, you know, uh, infection of the skin. And they were devastating, they came on ripping out of nowhere and I'd have to you know do the 911 or get to the hospital as soon as possible I mean r-
0: infection where you call 911
1: yeah twice well I
0: mean what what are you what are we looking at here if somebody's listening they don't understand how not feeling it. good
1: not feeling good for a couple of days uh, in my case laying down to go to bed waking up with a 104 fever and having my thigh beat red and swollen and uh, out of my mind with the fever. Wow. And uh, either get in a car or go or call. And a couple of times we had to call just because it was so scary. And, you know, some of those infections, um, you know, I needed a pick line put in. Um, one summer it was uh, um, six weeks of vancomycin every day for an hour and a half. What? So you are just...
0: This is, this is just terrible, Joe, Joe, what is your, I mean, let's, let's step away from all these different terrible things that are happening (laughs) because I'm having a hard time keeping up, but, um, so you were a, in sales, you're no longer. So the, all of this, the sarcoidosis has said to you, you're not going to work anymore.
1: Right. Correct. I can't, I can't do, I can't run my own business and support my family um, with the level of disease that I have. I just
0: don't. Right. So what is your walking around day like I mean, you, you get up in the morning? Can, I mean, do you have enough energy to, you know, go down and have your coffee or, you know, what, what happens?
1: Yeah. I, I, I classify it as um, how much gas do I have in the tank that day?
0: Yeah.
1: I have a finite amount of gas, meaning energy. Um, I'm currently taking a um, modafidil, which is a stimulant that was prescribed to me by my um, pulmonary doctor. Yeah. And it's similar to Adderall, but it's not as strong and less addicting. And it gives you that boost. So I take it first thing in the morning. And that pushes me through the day pretty good. It's like having 10 cups of coffee. All
0: right. No side effects from that?
1: Uh, So far, no, I haven't. You know, the side effects would be uh, insomnia, jitters, you know, stuff like that. I haven't had that. Um, because if I'm not taking that, the fuel tank empties about 1 o'clock, and I'm in bed. Hmm. And I'll sleep two hours, three hours. Sometimes I'll sleep through the night. And I'll know when I get up in the morning whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day. Really? So far, it's an okay day. Um, you know, But there, out of nowhere, I'll take a shower, and I'll be done for the day. Really, literally done for the day. Physically, um, walking to the mailbox is a chore. Um, switching uh, the the laundry out is a chore. You know, um, other days um, it's 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 uh, for me a normal day. Um, exercise. I'm not much of an exercise guy. Never have been. Um, but I have to be careful. If I do too much, it'll ruin me for the rest of the day, possibly the next day. And really? I'm talking short walks, maybe a short ride on the stationary bike, uh, n- not endurance level exercise. Right? Sure.
0: But you got to do some exercise because you need to be healthy. So it's good for you,
1: but it wears you out. Yes. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I no longer, you know, cut my lawn. I no longer, um, um, snowball my driveway. Um, you know, I have, I, I have services do that for me. Um, it, it, if it doesn't get done by 10 o'clock in the morning, it's not going to get done. Really? Mentally and physically.
0: Mentally too. So you just get, you get worn out. You can't think another thought.
1: Yeah. Paying a bill, um, you know, doing something like this, a zoom call. Um, if, if it doesn't get done early, it's, it's not going to get done. And fatigue is the, is the main thing now. And it always has been a lot of sleep, but it affects my family. Um, I I don't want to say resentments, but you know, dad's in bed again. Um, how come he's laying down again? Your mom's here. Why don't you come out and visit? And, you know, I can sleep for five hours and wake up feeling worse than when I lay down. Wow. And, you know, depression and anxiety plays into that, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm being treated for. Have you gone to counseling? Uh, yes. I have a psychologist and a psychiatrist.
0: Really? Yes. How often do you see them? Um,
1: every other month, approximately, depending on um, what's going on. More, if necessary. Um, and you know, the depression is a a two-edged sword. Am I tired or am I being depressed? You know, am I depressed because I'm depressed or am I depressed because I feel like crap? You know, so uh, you have to fight through that and it's hard, you know, it's hard. And, and as we all know, people who have this disease, you know, normal people don't understand on the outside, you know, we look pretty good, right? I'm not bald. Um, you know, I don't have bags under my eyes most days. It's not like I'm, you know, getting an active chemotherapy treatment or radiation. Um, I'm not nauseous. I'm not vomiting. But it's just on the inside, it's it's pretty tough, you know. Um, and it's hard to to keep face some days. Yep. The world as it is, you know. Right. Yeah. So
0: so you mentioned your family. You have uh, grown kids? I do.
1: Um, I'm married. Um, I have uh, two daughters um, that are one graduated college and one is in the process of graduating. Okay. One is out of the home and one is down at school. Okay. All right.
0: And uh, and it's, it's hard for people around you to understand, isn't it? Yeah.
1: It is. It is. You know, why don't you want to go for ice cream or how come... You don't want to go to the show, or um, you know, and and this affected me when they were little because I was originally diagnosed with a sarcoid back in two thousand two thousand one. They were they were in um, you know uh, middle school or, or uh, elementary school. Elementary school, yeah. You know, yeah. going to the uh, the soccer games and going to the, uh, the 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 band. I was a band dad, which basically means. You move a bunch of stuff two or three times a day for free. It's like moving. Yeah. In a while I have an apartment, right? Um, and I I got to the point where I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. It was too much, you know, loading the van and driving to Champaign, Illinois, unloading it, loading it, coming back and unloading it, and it's midnight. I, it was it was it was terrible, terrible. Yeah, and, um, yeah. That's outside. You on the outside, you look fine. And people don't understand, and
0: you don't want to look like a slacker, yeah. right? I mean, you're mm-hmm. motivated. You're, you're a community guy. Uh, you mentioned that you were in the Rotary Club, which uh, yes. was a Rotarian for a long time. So, you know, you've got this, this sort of community leadership gene. And the last thing you want is for everybody to think, oh, he just doesn't want to do the hard work and the heavy lifting and support the band. And that's not it at all, but that's what it looks like to people.
1: Correct. Correct. And, you know, people knew or found out or realized what was going on, and most of them were really cool about it. Um, I didn't get much flack from them, but on the inside, you feel like you're letting people down. Um, More so just besides that, you know, the toll that it takes on you. I, I would pay for that for days. And sometimes, indirectly, I would be hospitalized. I don't know if it had anything to do with those activities, but all of a sudden, I'd get a... A cellulitis or a UTI, and boom, I'm in for five days. Um, so stress, you know, I, I've I've learned that um, I've learned meditation, I've learned uh, trying not to sweat the little stuff, you know. But it's taken a long time, a very long time, to um, decompress. So, Joe, you've, you've obviously
0: been through a lot. It's life-changing. You're dealing with, with the emotional side of this. You're dealing with, with uh, you know, family, trying to understand, but sometimes getting impatient. And that's, that's frustrating. Uh, but you were telling me that you listen to the podcast um, because it somehow helps
1: you. How do, how, first of all, how does that help you? Well, this, the stories are, are similar to what I've gone through. The length of diagnosis, you know, it takes a long time to figure out what the heck's going on. You know, you think you're, you've got this, you've got that, you got this, you got that. And then finally you find out it's, uh, in my case, it, you know, the doctors were act, ask, uh, acting like, um, oh, you've got sarcoidosis, good news. You know, because we were thinking it was like a lymphoma or, you know, something else or a blood cancer. And come to find out that um, mine ended up being chronic. And all these years later, it, it's not good news. You know, um, I, it's glad to have, I'm glad to have the diagnosis, but it, if, you know, it, 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 it's ongoing.
0: Right. You know? And there's no, there's no known cure as we've discussed. Yes. And then, and then you add in a couple of other complicating factors like the cancer that you've had and that narrows your options and so now you've got chronic sarcoidosis and even what we know treats it may not be an option for you.
1: Yeah, it could. Um, my, my rheumatologist is always concerned that she's going to wake up my melanoma, you know, by using some of these immune suppressing drugs. Um, I had a, a, a hip issue last summer and immediately she took me off the steroids because she's worried about avascular necrosis. I have no idea what that meant, but I ended up being diagnosed with that and I had a hip replacement. And a combination of the steroids and radiation from the cancer treatment um ruined the circulatory uh system in my right hip and my um femur bone collapsed. And um she knew right away to get me off the steroids, but I had been on them so long, the damage was done. Right. So I well, know, but, well, I want to go back to that. So your, your, your leg collapsed? Well, it, I, I shouldn't. That sounds pretty dramatic. What happens is the ball of the hip loses blood flow and it flattens. Up. Okay. Cause extreme, uh, a lot of pain, uh, pain like I've never had before. And they want to put you through the physical therapy and the cortisone injections. And then you end up getting a hip replacement. Best thing I ever did. I was walking on it the same day. I had the surgery. Um, It's as if I didn't have that issue. But it all year last year from May through November. Dealing with that. Um, And it's affected my other hip. Uh, I have no symptoms, but the disease is in my other hip. I'm told that the hip bone is the largest bone in your body, and it has the, the, uh, the fewest blood vessels. So it's very susceptible to um, steroid damage uh, called avascular necrosis, lack of blood flow, and the bone dies.
0: Hmm. And so you tie that back to the prednisone?
1: Uh, they, they, the, the orthopedic doctor says yes. And also um, radiation can cause it. And I've had radiation in my pelvis. Um, Heavy alcohol use uh, is another one and something else can contribute to it. Um, So I had a couple of those factors right off the gate, you know, right off the bat. And he seems to think it was because of the the long-term steroid use, even though I was on low doses. Yeah. It's not at a very long time. What's the most,
0: what's the highest dose of prednisone you've ever taken?
1: Well, <clears throat> I had a complication from my um, immunotherapy that gave me colitis. So I was on a really high dose, like 60, 80 milligrams. Oh. Um, my maintenance dose was uh, four to eight of methylprednisone. Okay. Long-term, I don't think I was ever on more than 10. Um, but okay. the maintenance dose at the end was two milligrams every other day. So I was on hardly any. Uh, but then the hip, the hip gave me the issue and she took me off it. And now I'm on Plaquenil. She wants to put me on um, a different drug. I believe it's called Avara. But I recently had some surgeries and she wants me to uh, heal completely from the surgery before she puts me on the Avara for my inflammation and fatigue, because it does suppress your immune system and I'm still recovering from some lymphatic surgery I had as a result of the uh, radiation and cancers. I had some lymphedema and mm-hmm. they went, uh, clean that up.
0: Yeah. You were, a, you were a healthy guy, right? Up until all this stuff happened Were you, I mean, yeah. when you were growing up, you know, did you play sports or. I, mean, I did. did
2: you, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Baseball, golfed. Uh, I liked to fish. Uh, yeah just normal activities you know for sure absolutely yep and
0: you know i mean you mentioned that one of the causes uh, for the for the hip issue could be uh heavy drinking but I, I haven't heard you say that that you were an alcoholic or anything like that so that's not that wasn't one of the ones that
1: you suffered from no no yeah no. you know the 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 surgical oncologist or i'm sorry the uh The orthopedic doctor attributed it to the steroids. Steroids, yeah. It was no doubt in his mind that it was because of the steroids. So how do you look at your life now?
0: How do you you look at the years remaining that you have on earth?
1: I look at it as a bonus. Every day is a bonus. I'm on bonus time right now. I was diagnosed with stage four melanoma in 2013 um, that metastasized and came back. I've been dealing with this sarcoid since 2001 ish. Um, That's affected my kidneys, my heart, my skin. Um, I've had skin sarcoid, by the way, um, which they biopsy and um, remove or burn off or whatever. Um, So I I look at it as you know. I try to look at it as a bonus. Um, It it, it (laughs) um, it's good. But it's different, you know, it, it's uh, abnormally normal. There you go. So, one of the things that I've heard from people, and I
0: kind of feel some of this myself, is that I need to accelerate some of the items on my bucket list. Do you feel that tendency? And is there anything that you feel like you really want to do while you can do it?
1: I do. Um, I, I feel I'm, I'm lacking in that area. You know, I, I see people who, um, you know, get a, a very bad diagnosis and they take a trip around the world. I don't have the energy to do that. And I don't think it would be beneficial for me to do that. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, there are, there are some things, you know, I'd like to do, do, um, but I'm not really pushing much to the head of the line. I'm, I'm taking it one day at a time. Um, if I feel good today, that's great. And I'll, you know, take advantage of that and, you know, go to the forest preserve or go to a lake. Um, I, I don't have those big bucket list things. I'm not, uh, I, I don't have those be, because of the energy that needs to be exerted. I don't want to climb, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro. I wouldn't make it. Right. You know, it would be a waste of everyone's time and energy. Um, you know, a couple laps around the block, I'm happy with. So I, I, I tap down those expectations because otherwise I get frustrated. You know, I look at you, for instance, and, you know, I read your bio. I know you're a, an avid biker. Um, that, that astounds me. You know, someone with, with sarcoid, you know, can do that. Um, right now, I'm just not in the position physically to do it. I can mm-hmm. pedal around. Um, but I, I'm not doing the the 25-mile tracks or anything like that. And and I never did. So I have to let that one go, you know. Sure.
0: Sure. Yeah. That's um, – yeah, I, I, I feel like – sometimes I feel guilty because – I've been able to, to push through it. And I, and I do think that everything is quieted down for me. And so, but when I get into these phases and I'm going on pretty much pretty close to a year where I've been feeling pretty good, um, mm-hmm. I feel guilty. I feel guilty going on here and saying, Oh, I have sarcoidosis and da, 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 and, and talking about my bike rides. And, uh, but on the other hand, I feel like I just have to do it. And, and people, People tell me it's like, you know, keep doing it, keep telling us about it because it lets us know that maybe, you know, someday we can get back to a a normal life. So um, that's what I'm trying to do is live my normal life. But man, I haven't, for instance, I've never seen the Grand Canyon. And I'm going to the Grand Canyon next month.
1: That's something I would like to do.
0: Uh huh. And you can do that passively. You know, you can, you can, yeah, you can walk out and look over the edge and say, now I've seen the Grand Canyon.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be, that's on the bucket list for sure.
0: Yeah. So you've Um, got a daughter in college, no grandchildren yet. Do you, do you, is there a part of you that says, you know, I just got to stay healthy enough to see my grandkids someday?
1: Yeah, it's not on my radar, but yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I'd love to, uh, you know, be available for that. Um, My wife um, went back to work because of my disability and trying to make things easier on her, um, but also feeling the guilt that she has to go back to work later in life um, for financial reasons, you know, for insurance and and whatnot. Um, So trying to, you know, we just got away this past week, uh, this weekend, we just got back yesterday, we went up to northern Wisconsin for four days and just vegged out in in the um the north woods and it was awesome you know it was refreshing it was relaxing and um you know she got to decompress a little bit and we just did whatever she wanted to do Um, i would have fished 24 7 if i you know physically could have but i didn't i I didn't even throw the pole in the water once you know we just we just hung out um, which was nice Uh Um, so, um, yeah, uh, things like that are important right now, but yeah, the grandkids would be great to be, to be, um, um, physically around for that and time will tell, you know? Yep.
0: So what will, what will the rest of today be like? You said like just doing these zoom calls can tire you out. What will the rest of today be like?
1: Um, the rest of today, we just got back last night from, from the trip. Um, it's really hot in Chicago today. Uh, it's like 90 with 85% humidity. There won't be much outdoor activity until later in the day. Um, just, uh, I, I do have a zoom at noon. I belong to a, a cancer support group that meets every Tuesday. Uh, so I will sit in on that and, um, participate in that. And, um, I really don't have much of a plan for the rest of the day. Gotcha. I'm just going to take it as it comes.
0: Yeah. Would you, do you think you'll have to take a nap?
1: Don't know. Um, it, it, it's always possible to do that right now. Right, right. No, but I could eat lunch and, and it'll be a different story. Right. Um, but I tell you, uh, the modafidil ha- does help me with that. Um, on a lot of days, but even with that uh, stimulant, I can still sleep in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. And there'll, there'll be times where I'll sleep for 12 hours. You know, I'll, I'll lay down and I won't get up until the next day. Um, and there's really no rhyme or reason. It's, it's not like I did anything physical to uh, warrant that. So right. you, never, you never know when that's going to hit you.
0: Right. So, what would you say to um, your fellow sarc fighters? What what advice do you have from somebody who's got it in their heart, got it in their kidneys, has been fighting it for a long time, has been dealing with the side effects of prednisone? Any any advice to people?
1: Yeah, keep searching, um, keep seeking um, for medical information. You know, I, I found you through, um, I believe, the FSR. Um, I've found my doctors through organizations like that and through the internet. You're not alone. You know, there are a lot of us that have this disease. And on the outside, you would never know it. Um, And there are networking opportunities um, through, through some of these organizations where you can talk to people. The Zoom thing is really cool. Um, I don't have a Zoom support group for sarcoid, but it would be really cool. They had that conference back earlier in the year that I participated in and got a lot of information on that. I'm trying to focus on nutrition. Uh, Nutrition and exercise are not my strong point, Um, but I'm picking up a lot of uh, information on maybe what I should be eating, what I shouldn't be eating, and there's no answer because these doctors will tell you, we think sugar is inflammatory, but there's no big study on it. We think, you know, carbohydrates aren't good for you. However, our patients are telling us when they cut out the sugar, cut out the carbs, they feel better. So there's not a lot of medical evidence, but there's patient proof that it helps. So um, I'm learning about that. You know, sitting in oh, the yeah. Zoom and, and, YouTube's and
0: I'm going to agree with you 100% on that. Uh, I, I'm also going to refer you back to, and I can't remember the episode number, but um, with Lindsay Nuremberg, who's a dietitian who I've been working with, and put me on the elimination diet. Yes. And if you've people have heard me talk about that. I'm not currently on it, but I'm going to resume it once my... Uh, vast number of, uh, summer activities ends. Uh, it seems easier for me to do that in the winter when the, when I'm less tempted to be out eating ice cream and sugar, but it was, it was no grains. It was no dairy. Uh, it was no sugar. Uh, it was extremely clean eating. Uh, and Lindsay's uh, husband, Ryan also, uh, has has an episode with me and I I met him first. He's a Sark fighter. She, uh, moved from her a good job in higher education and became a nutritionist dietitian and uh, really, really works on this uh, holistic approach. Um, I got to tell you, my, my thinking was clearer. My steps were lighter. It, I lost 25 pounds and I wasn't even looking to lose weight. That just happened. Um, so uh, go back and listen to Lindsay and and uh, check out her website, Nourished by Lindsay. But it's been, um, it, it has really helped me. And, uh, you know, she will tell you emphatically that sugar causes inflammation sure. and that carbohydrates cause inflammation. The doctors, doctors step away from that. Every doctor I've asked has stepped away from it. But, um, and then the CBD oil is something I have not messed with, but her husband, Ryan has been, has been doing CBD and had, tremendous success. So again, you know, I'm not recommending it. All I'm doing is passing along the stories of people who have, uh, although the, the elimination diet was something that, uh, that really worked for me. Um, and, uh, I find that I can tolerate the sugar and that kind of stuff a little bit better now. Uh, but, um, it's better when I don't for sure.
1: Yeah. I, I, um, cracked down on the diet about two weeks ago, right before we went away. And I, I was getting benefit from it, you know, feeling much better. Um, the, the, the little vacation kind of threw that off, but I agree, you know, it's what you put in. The other thing that I could, um, I could add to people who are going through this sarcoid, through my sarcoid journey and my other um, medical issues, don't be afraid to ask the doctor a question if they're hesitant to give you an answer, don't let them brush you off. You know, they're, they're, they're business people. This is a business. I'm a client. Uh, I want to know why my muffler's loud, Mr. Muffler Dealer. And my doctor is the muffler dealer. And we put right. you know, a lot of these doctors on a pedestal. A lot of them can be very difficult to um, talk to. Um, but try not to be intimidated. I've um, released doctors. Doctors have released me, not because of anything mean or indignant. It just wasn't working out. And there's a lot of resources for us on the web. Um, And nothing really happens with your doctor until you hire them. And then you got to stick with them. And you start having complications. You want somebody that you don't have an animosity towards when they're coming into your room and you're unhappy you you feel like crap and they're cutting you short, so you know that's a difficult thing for a lot of people, and you know don't be intimidated um they're they're just business people, and if they're not giving you the answers you want or your gut tells you no um find another doctor you know find yeah, i've done that i've done yeah. that yeah. Yeah, and so often we're intimidated, we're afraid, and they're rushed, and you think you're the only thing they're worried about, there, but they're going to see 40 patients that day, you're just a, a check on the box. So um, they are not losing sleep over you because you're sitting in the office 45 minutes past your appointment, and then they give you five minutes, you know, so, um, you know, find a doctor that uh, has a little more compassion or you feel more comfortable. And, um, there's a, there's, uh, you know, like I said, we put, we put them on a pedestal and it's not best for our, um, overall health. We have to be an advocate for our health and it's difficult to do when you don't feel good. Bring someone with you. I use my iPhone and I, I ask them in advance. I'd like to, uh, audio record this appointment if I'm by myself. And you'd be amazed what you hear when you go back home and you play it for your wife. Or you play it two or three times, you'd be amazed what you hear that you thought you didn't hear, or vice versa. Uh, really? Give things- me an,
0: can you give me an example of that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had my, I was with my electrophysiologist, and it was a follow up after my atrial fibrillation, and I recorded it, and he wanted to redo my ablation. I played it for my rheumatologist. Who follows me for my sarcoid? She got on the phone and called him and said, "Under no circumstances are you going to do another ablation on this man. We're going to wait six months, and then you're going to give you know put the defibrillator in because the sarcoid will go away in his heart." Um, Other ones, uh, cancer diagnoses, uh, or you know biopsy results. I'll I'll be by myself. I'll I'll listen to it. I'll bring it home and. I'll explain it to my wife and then we play it. And I'm not explaining it exactly right. You know, what I heard and what they said are two different things sometimes. So um, ask for permission. I've had doctors say no. And I I deem not to do business with that doctor. He said, get your wife on the phone. I said, she can't get on the phone. She's at work. Um, And I ended up going to another surgeon. Um, Yeah. he He wasn't having any of it. I understand. You know, but if you don't want to have any of it, that's fine. Um, I'll find somebody that uh, doesn't mind. Because if I take notes, it, I'm not good at notes. You know, I, No,
0: and, I, and it's really hard to repeat what the doctor said to a significant other. And, you know, once they ask the first or second follow-up question, I find that I don't know the answer. Yes. And I, I try to fill in the gaps and don't do a very good job with
1: that. Yeah. You make stuff up and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more advanced now in this practice of being a patient. And I ask a lot of questions and it ticks off some, some doctors and they start getting snippy and short and, you know, I'll push them um, very politely, very, very professionally and um you can hear that demeanor in their voice and they're like a politician they're not answering the question you know so i like to bring that home too and share that with you know my significant other who's part of my healthcare yep cuz like you said i can't answer all the questions i can make up answers <laughs> what he, what i think he said or she said right
0: Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, then all of a sudden it starts not making any sense. Yeah. It's a big mess. It it, 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 it,
1: it, it is, really is a big mess.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think I, you know what, I think I want to do a whole podcast on being a professional patient. I think I just decided yeah. that I'm, I might ping you back on that and, and get some people yes. in and, and just talk about how to be a professional patient, because the more I've learned about sarcoidosis, because now I'm on two boards with FSR plus I'm doing mm-hmm. a podcast. Um uh- and so I've learned, uh, you know, uh, a fair amount about sarcoidosis. I wouldn't, wouldn't say, you know, not at the level of a doctor or whatever, but I can speak the language now. And I know to ask follow-up questions and most people don't. And I don't think the doctors are ready for that. No,
1: they're not. Yeah. They're, yeah. They just
0: want to tell you what they're going to do and, and move right. on. Although I will tell you this, my doctors at the uh, Cleveland Clinic are ready for uh, that and they anticipate that. And they're very, giving of their time. And, uh, that would be those two, uh, the doctors that I have there would be the exception.
1: And, and that's the yeah. thing about seeking. Um, I've met those doctors mm-hmm. and I've got them in my hip pocket. If this thing goes sideways on me, I'm going to Cleveland or I'm going to Iowa or I'm going to John Hopkins. I, you know, you find these people and I'd like to have a plan B. What if my doctor retires? Mm-hmm. I've, I've happened to me twice. Yeah. I've outlived one moved. Yeah. Yeah. They move. I've I've outlived a couple of them. Um what you know, things change. Um, so that you know, we got it, we we need to continually seek and read up on stuff. Um, because there's things coming down the pipeline that could be of huge benefit to us. Right. Right. Well, Joe, look, we've been
0: talking for over an hour now. I want to thank you for your time this morning. I really appreciate I
1: I appreciate your time and I hope what I said can benefit somebody
0: I think it will Uh, we hear people with lots of complications I've heard one patient talking about her symptoms saying sarcoidosis brings friends meaning that there's always another complication there's another illness coming down the pike and um, and you know you definitely land in that category and uh, kudos to you just for taking the time to talk with us this morning
1: No, anything, anything. Um, and if anybody wants to reach out, um, call Jeff or call John and, um, he can, he can get to me and I can get back to you. Awesome. I'd be more than happy to do that.
0: Thanks to Joe for reaching out and sharing his story. Again, if you have a story you'd like to share, here uh, in this sarcoidosis space on the Sarcfighter podcast, contact me via email carlinagency at gmail.com. And again, there's a link in the show notes. If you're new to the disease and you're just trying to figure out what you have, what's maybe going on with your body, you've just been diagnosed with sarcoidosis, and like all of us, you're trying to figure out what that means. Is it good news? Is it bad news? Whatever. Uh, Go back and listen to my interview with Dr. Simon Hart in episode two, because that's sarcoidosis 101. We go over everything sarcoidosis there and sort of break it all down for you. If you want to know more about me and my backstory, that's episode one. My most recent interview is with the delightful Juliet Coffer of the UK, who's raising money for Sark UK, simply by walking around her house and for her, that's quite an accomplishment because 100 meters in a day is is a big deal for her. But she kept on walking and kept on raising money for Sarc UK. And uh, so and she's just a wonderful interview. And, and she's got a tremendous attitude, even though she's dealing with a terrible case of sarcoidosis. So And and don't forget to go back and listen to my bonus episode on SARC and COVID-19 and another bonus episode on dealing with prednisone. Both of these are rare opportunities as all the leaders in those two fields came together at the right place at the right time, and we were all in the room together. I conducted those interviews, and those bonus interviews are are back there um, on the uh, archives of the SARC Fighter podcast. You can Google them, or you can look in the show notes. Also, please send me an email if you're interested in coming on the show. Follow the Sark Fighter on Instagram and on Facebook. I do appreciate your interest here in the podcast. It helps me reach more people and grow the show. If you would share a link on your social media, so if you're not in your car driving and you have this link, just post it on your social media and say, Hey, I listened to the Sark Fighter podcast. I thought it was good, and, and you might want to listen to." So if you really, if you like it, just tell one person. That's all I ask. Just tell one person about the show and let's help the show and its impact grow. Uh, Also, maybe you want to give it a a nice review on Apple Podcasts. So thanks again to my guest today, Joe McCory, for sharing his story. And until next time, keep fighting. (laughs)
2: And in an instant it could be gone And I don't know one will